Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkalita. Hello. Hello. Henry Kissinger is dead. It is a good day. I woke up to this unlike you guys. I slept through the news and I woke up to like 80 notifications on my phone from friends and from the news. (laughs) So I was like, what? No, this can't be real. You're fucking with me. Finally. (laughs) Fucking finally. So then everyone at work was like, why are you in such a good mood today? <laughs> Little pep. You don't usually that. smile this much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what uh, what wonderful news. There's still, I mean, we still got a whole world going on around it. And, and there's, there's, you know, tragedy and other things we, we will um, talk about in, in current events, including um, how little we, you know, believe in that ceasefire. Um, like that it's a real lasting ceasefire um, in Gaza. But Henry Kissinger is dead. God damn it. Well, you got to be happy. There's one thing that we, we've we learned from reading all of this Marxism. It's that individual people are responsible for bad things that happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, so welcome back to Mark's Madness. Uh, podcast where we read books, part of the Chunkalucha Network. Uh, my name's David. I'm Prez. And we are going to get back into our reading of Gramsci in the reader that Prez put together for us. Uh, but first, we will eventually have the new news show show um, kind of taken off of the current events, and we'll just, you know, bring them up as appropriate during the reading, um, like way back when, before current events became a thing at the beginning of the show. But we're still in the current events are thing at the beginning of the show. Um, obviously we're excited about one of them, but there is other stuff going on um, in the world. So of course, you know, there is a, um, it, it's like a, a ceasefire that's happened, not a full on. It's just like a, a, a temporary stay of peace um, in Gaza, including a prisoner exchange. Um, which is, is really, really good, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Gaza has been liberated by any means, um, that the genocide is not ongoing. It has just paused the most extremely violent stage of it, which is, of course, good. I mean, we, we want less death. We want Palestinians not to suffer, but there's still, of course, an immense amount of suffering. So it's it's good news, but tempered good news. Yeah, we in the Imperial Corps should be happy for the ceasefire because that means fewer people will be dying. The people who are actually doing the fighting negotiated and called for the ceasefire, so we should always support what they're calling for. Uh, and well, yeah, and this is not being against it, like fully uh, for. I'm no, just no, saying no, no, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to <laughs> a point with this. I'm not, okay. just, I'm not okay. just trying to like Sorry. call you an unprincipled uh, guy. Um, what we should be doing during this, and even if the ceasefire continues, we shouldn't just kind of dust off our hands and say, okay, we did our protests, we did whatever, we got a ceasefire because the apartheid will continue, 
the daily grind of a slow genocide will continue, the settler colonialism will continue, all of these networkings that we've developed, these new organizations that started, these blockades of like Elbit systems that started going up in the U.S., that needs to keep going on even when there's a ceasefire. And it needs to be maintained. So even if there's a ceasefire going on, it doesn't mean that our work in the Imperial Corps is done. So we need to keep on keeping on because their fighting might be over, but ours isn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. So I, there's there's no reason not to keep going, right? This is still a continuous fight, but we should be very happy when gains are made. Um, other news, um, do we want to get into the, the Stuart Seldowitz uh, racist rant? No. Okay. Not that I don't care, it's just like, this shit happens so often. It it does. It just actually like got recorded guy. and exposed for once. <laughs> it like I mean th- it was it was blatant. It was the kind of things we talk about, you know, Democrats and and Republicans being different mostly in rhetoric and then sometimes in some some policies, but those policies are highly qualified by Democrats. You know, um in most policies they're the same, but this was like throw the rhetoric out the window, you know, might, might as well have been the, the, the John McCain bomb, bomb Iran, you know, jingle, um, a Palestinian who was just trying to sell food. Um, well, and- we're getting into it now. So if you haven't heard this Seldowitz guy was an Obama and Clinton advisor mm-hmm. on, and on just- specifically Israel and Palestine, right? Yeah. He was a specific Israel Palestine guy for Bill Clinton and then he was a general Middle East advisor for Obama. And he's just been like harassing a food cart guy in the Upper West Side mm-hmm. for like multiple days. The food cart guy called uh, called the cops and the cops said, oh, we can't do anything. Freedom of speech. <laughs> and then, <laughs> as always, and then this woman released a video and it went viral and then he got arrested on hate crime charges. Yeah, and I think that's what's unique about it. Not even just the viral video, but that the hate crime charges were actually brought. I mean, that's yeah. that's surprising in a good way. Yeah. Um, but if anything, this shows that we always we always argue with liberals that there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. But like this shows there is no mm-mm. functional difference between. Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're reaching for Democrats, it's not much different than reaching for the the good moderate Republicans because that's really all the Democrats are. Yes, yeah, it's, it's you know, like and good and moderate. Who cares about gay people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that and, and there are those, you know. Um, there, you know, there. <laughs> um. That kind of, and this is the same thing. So you know, and and I say good or moderate with like air quotes. Like those are those are kind of lame qualifiers. But yeah, I mean that's that's really what it is. And so that wears it on its sleeve. Not that that's any breaking news during um, you know the the ongoing genocide of Palestinians by Israel that Biden openly backed. And for every bit that Trump, um, you know, 
just shouted constant lies uh, basically from the pulpit in, in more explicit and, and more belligerent ways than the most past presidents. Biden was doing the same thing, you know, and, and it's not that different. You know, we've seen the Norea stuff. We've seen all kinds of, of propaganda over the years that presidents were in on, but, but Biden just standing up there, like denying the counts of victims of an ongoing genocide just felt, it felt to be in that that tier that made Trump feel different than other presidents, even though he was really the same. Um, and I guess uh, the only other thing was uh, uh, that I have, and again, it's not a big deal. It's more in that rhetoric, public eye thing. But um, it was was it Robert De Niro? It was Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro uh, was giving a speech for winning an award for uh, uh, the, um, oh, I forget the name of the movie, The Flower Moon. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon, thank you. Uh, He was getting an award for Killers of the Flower Moon, and he had a whole speech, and it was, I mean, it was liberal, right? It it, it kind of overemphasized Trump, uh, but named things that were generally wrong with the entire ruling class, and did point out some other members of the ruling class, right? Like, he took a swipe at Hollywood as a whole, specifically citing John Wayne's racism. Um, But they cut it out of his speech, and he noticed it on the teleprompter and went, wait a fucking minute, and pulled out his phone and read it anyway. And that was... That was interesting to see. Um, it's it's not quite the level of of um, you know Sachin Littlefeather getting to get up and, and give a speech, but it, it felt you know to a lesser extent, but along those same lines, kind of thumbing a lot of the the right wing ruling class of Hollywood. It just except this was not met with a bunch of booze because it was Robert De Niro, and because he made it a little Trump centric. Um. But that's what I have for current events that aren't, you know, ongoing. Um, obviously, the ongoing stuff um, that we have. Let's not forget about Cop City and the construction and the the pollution it's creating. Let's not forget about the Tar Sands project. Um, but that that's all I have. That's like breaking. That has new information to to bring up or break down to handle. Like you know, in the news talking points that we usually do. Well, current events. Did you did you mention the Dutch elections last time? I did not. No. So the the Netherlands is a tiny country, but the for once the Dutch elections actually matter because for the last like 30 years they've had relatively quote unquote moderate governments and this election they elected a fascist. <laughs> um it's As a parliamentary system, so we don't have a PM yet, but like the largest, the party that got the most votes is led by a guy who is pro like deporting every single immigrant. Oh, jeez. To Morocco. And, and we do and have. I'm not be- exaggerating. He said he supports that plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, this is, this is. Um, on par with Europe, unfortunately, and it's it's going to trend that way because we've yeah we've yeah. mentioned before there's there's still the remnants of you know the 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 ongoing Ukraine war as far as economically and and the severing of of energy ties with Russia and what that's doing to Europe economically and when you get those kind of economic struggles two things pop out fascism and and socialism in those movements and if there's not a strong socialist movement. Fascism just takes over, yeah. you know, 
we well, we see this. We see that uh, is it Argentina right now where they just elected a fascist and basically all three candidates were going to be pro U.S. He's an anarcho-capitalist. Oh, Get okay. it right. Yeah, sorry. But this guy, this Geert Wilders, is a uh, he's actually pro-Russia because he thinks the the gas prices went up too much. Oh, <laughs> he thinks we're the Dutch are so distracted on Russia that they need to they lost focus on staying great. So um, I see. So this is kind of uh, um, like that the 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 Republicans that are bitching about giving money to the the, the Ukraine war. Um, yeah, yeah. Like we need but, to get our priorities in order. We need mm-hmm. to focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to handle these immigrants. Mm, um, very nativist. Yeah. 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 And I I said Morocco. I meant he wants to ship everyone to Madagascar. Oh, um, oh! He got better. famous because he actually has a criminal record for saying uh, inciting hate against Moroccans oh. when he first founded his party. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, and uh, the Netherlands is a founder of the EU, and it's one of the most uh, active countries in the EU. So this is going to have a lot of implications for what happens <laughs> in the rest of Europe in the next few years. So we'll see. That's, that's always exciting. It's, yes. it's, I, I just can't wrap my head around how to describe the EU. It's such an it, interesting thing because it's, it's like, it's, it's got the, the, we're in this economically together and, and voluntarily idea of, of like a larger country, um, like say, you know, the Soviet Union, but it's very, very right wing and it's purely, um, you know, centered in certain areas. And so these areas kind of the way like Moscow got too much power in the Soviet Union, but it was actually left wing and cared about the different cultures and things like that. This is just, just straight up the capitalist or fascist version of that, um, pushing imperialism from different, uh, outposts and, and everywhere that, that has a center of power just kind of shits on everywhere else. Um, so like you, know. you have a, a time crunch today and we can talk about this more another day. But oh yeah, I, yeah. Good call. Because I'm living here and I actually work with people who study the EU as a system. We can like de we can break that down more and it is fucking insane. Uh, Cause at this point I'm just like b- straight asking people like, why doesn't the EU just become a thing? <laughs> <laughs> rather than pretending um yeah, a lot of the stuff at this point is just like pretending that people have sovereignty when they don't anymore mm-hmm. um but the the countries that have all the power aren't going to change that you know they're 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 enjoying it too much and they're already you know colonial and capital and, and well the thing is though the countries don't have power anymore it, it's mm. it's such a mess we can talk about this more okay. later and i can explain we, we can have an eu special episode that um, that actually sounds kind of fun um yeah. and that would definitely be one where we lean far more on 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 president's input than mine um for now, the input all of us can have um, is reading words off of off of a page. So let's go back <laughs> to that. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, pay, or slide 130. Uh, we're going to be starting on uh, the solidity of the party organization and factionalism. Okay. Um, 
And so that's kind of on the, the, the left near the top of the first of the, the pages on the slide. Um, and this is, again, in those numbered lists we're continuing on. So this is point 31. Um, did you want to go ahead, Prez, because we usually have the person that was not here last week. Yeah. yeah. Solidity of the party organization, factionalism. The organization of a Bolshevik party must at all moments in the life of the party be a centralized organization led by the central committee, not just in words, but also in deed. An iron proletarian discipline must reign in its ranks. This does not mean that the party must be ruled from on high with autocratic methods. Both the central committee and the subordinate leading bodies are formed on the basis of election and on the basis of a selection of, com of capable elements carried out through the test of work through the test of work and through the experience of the movement. The second element guarantees that the criteria for the formation of the local leading groups and of the central leading group are not mechanical, external, and quote-unquote parliamentary, but correspond to a real process of formation of a homogenous proletarian vanguard linked to the masses. 32. The centralization and cohesion of the party require that there should not exist organized groups within it which take on the character of factions. A Bolshevik party is sharply differentiated in this respect from social democratic parties, which contain a variety of groups and in which factional struggle is the normal method of working out a political orientation and selecting a leading group. The communist parties and the and international emerged after a factional struggle waged inside the international. Establishing themselves as the parties and the world organization of the proletariat, they chose as the norm of their internal life and development in place of factional struggle, the organic collaboration of all tendencies through participation in the leading bodies. Functioning of the party organization. Point 34. A Bolshevik party must be organized in such a way that it can function in contact with the masses, whatever the conditions may be. This principle takes on the greatest importance among us. Because of the repression exercised by fascism with the aim of preventing the real relation of forces from being translated into a relation of organized forces. Only with the greatest concentration and intensity of party activity can one succeed in neutralizing, at least in part, this negative factor, and in preventing it from hampering greatly the revolutionary process. Strategy and Tactics of the Party, point 35. The strategic and tactical capacity of the party is the capacity to organize and unify around the proletarian vanguard and the working classes all the forces necessary for revolutionary victory, and to lead these, in fact, toward the revolution, taking advantage of objective circumstances and of the shifts in the balance of forces which they bring about both among the working population and among the enemies of the working class. With its strategy and tactics, the party, quote, leads the working class, unquote, in major historical movements and day-to-day -day struggles alike. 
one form of leadership is linked to the other and conditioned by it. Point 36. The principle that the party leads the working class must not be interpreted in a mechanical manner. It is not necessary to believe that the party can lead the working class through an external imposition of authority. This is not true either with respect to the period which precedes the winning of power or with respect to the period which follows it. The error of a mechanical interpretation of this principle of this principle must be combated in the Italian party as a possible consequence of the ideological deviations of the far left. For these deviations lead to an arbitrary formal overestimation of the party so far as it as its function as the leader of the class is concerned. We assert that the capacity to lead the class is related not to the fact that the party quote-unquote proclaims itself as a revolutionary organ, but to the fact that it quote-unquote really succeeds as part of the working class in linking itself with the sections, with all the sections of of that class and impressing upon the masses a movement in the direction desired and favored by objective conditions. Only as a result of the of its activity among the masses will the party get the latter to recognize it as their party, winning a majority. And only when this condition has been realized can it presume that it is that it is able to draw the working class behind it. The need for this activity among the masses outweighs any party patriotism. He's right, but he's by party patriotism. He's not saying like Pat Sock kind of thing. He's saying like uh, patriotism towards the party. So like dedication towards the Bolsheviks or dedication to the DSA or PSL. So that kind of circular logic of, well, we're the best representation of the American working class. Why? Because we're the DSA or because we're the PSL. We know the best. Yeah. Um, that leads, and that's that's also, there's, in my hardcover of this, I have a lot of, like, circles, and I have, like, Mao question mark. <laughs> and this is, like, the beginnings of Mao's, like, you need to have room for self-criticism, otherwise you're never going to be tied to the masses. There needs to be some kind of humbleness to your party and to yourself as an organizer to be able to step back and say, is our platform correct? And correctness means, is it linked to the masses? Sometimes you're going to diverge because sometimes the working class will have reactionary elements to it for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That's why you have to be a vanguard. Sometimes you have to lead. Yeah. Um, There's that contradiction there. But you can't just sit and say that we're the best party for the working class because we're the best party for the working class. And that's that party patriotism. Um, with that, I guess I'll go ahead and, and take the reins here. Uh, okay. the, par- <laughs> the party leads the class by penetrating into all the organizations in which the working masses are assembled and by carrying out in and through these 
a, system, a systematic mobilization of energies in line with the program of the class struggle, an activity aimed at winning the majority to communist directives. The organizations in which the party works and which tend by their nature to incorporate the whole mass of workers can never substitute for the communist party, which is the political organization of revolutionaries. In other words, the Okay, in other words, of the vanguard of the proletariat. That just read funny. Okay, um, this excludes in any relationship of subordination or equality or of equality between the mass organization and the party. So it has to sit in a special position, leading, but the the working class is not um, there to support the party. The party is there to be the vanguard to the working class. Uh, the relationship between trade unions and party is a special one of leadership, which is realized through the activity which the communists carry out inside the unions. The communists organize themselves into fractions in the unions. I'm surprised it's fractions and not factions. Um, and in all the mass formation. There's a reason for that. Oh, uh, <laughs> I guess because they make up a subset of it, not because they're breaking it up. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. Uh, and in all the mass formations and participate in the front rank of life in these formations and the struggles which they wage, upholding their party's program and slogans there. Every tendency to separate oneself off from the life of those organizations, whatever they may be, in which it is possible to make contact with the working masses. It is to be combated as a dangerous deviation, indicating pessimism and general pe and generating passivity. In the capitalist countries, and this is point 38, in the capitalist countries, trade unions are the specific organs grouping the working masses. And activity in the unions must be considered essential for the accomplishment of the party's aims. The party which renounces the struggle to exercise its influence in the unions and to win leadership of them de facto renounces winning the masses of winning the mass of workers and renounces the revolutionary struggle for power. In Italy, activity in the unions takes on particular importance, for such activity makes it possible to work with greater intensity and with better results. And that reorganization of the industrial and rural proletariat, which must restore to it a predominant position vis-a-vis -vis the other social classes. However, fascist repression and especially fascism new trade union policy are creating a per quite particular state of affairs. The party must manage to carry out the activity to defend the class union and demand freedom for it. And at the same time, it must encourage and stimulate the tendency to create representative mass organisms adapted to the system of production. With the class union's activity paralyzed, defense of the workers' immediate interest tends to be carried out through a fragmentation of resistance and struggle by factory, by category, by workplace, etc. The Communist Party must be able to follow all these struggles and exercise a real leadership over them, ensuring that the unitary and revolutionary character of class conflicts is not lost in them. Indeed, taking advantage of them to aid the mobilization of the whole proletariat and its organization along the fighting front, which is called the trade union thesis per this parenthesis. Um, is there anything more we need to go into with trade union thesis? No, not really. Okay. Um, the party leads and unifies the working class by taking part in a struggle of a partial nature 
and by formulating and agitating around a program of demands and immediate interest to the working class. Partial and limited actions are considered by it as necessary steps to achieving the progressive mobilization and unification of all the forces of the working class. The party combats the conception according to which one should abstain from supporting or taking part in partial actions, because the problems which interest the working class can be solved only by the overthrow of capitalist order and by a general action of the anti-capitalist for of all the anti-capitalist forces. Uh, 39 continued. It has BIS. I don't know what that stands for, but it, it means continued. I'm sure. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, it is an error to believe that immediate demands and partial actions can only have an economic character. With the deepening of the crisis of capitalism, the capitalist and landowning ruling classes are compelled in order to preserve their power to limit and suppress the proletariat's organization and political freedoms. Consequently, the demand for these freedoms furnishes an excellent terrain for agitation and partial struggles, which may lead to the mobilization of vast layers of the working population. All the legislation with which the fascists in Italy suppress even the most elementary freedoms of the working class must therefore provide the Communist Party with themes for agitating among the masses and mobilizing them. It will be the Communist Party's task to link each of the slogans it launches in this field with the general directives of its activity, in particular with the practical demonstration of the impossibility for the regime installed by fascism to undergo radical limitations and transformations in a liberal and democratic direction, without a mass struggle being unleashed against fascism that will inevitably culminate in a civil war. This conviction must be disseminated among the masses insofar as we succeed linking the partial demands of political character with those of an economic character and transforming revolutionary democratic movements into working class socialist revolutionary movements. Um, so obviously, I mean, some examples of, of these partial movements and things that we should support and, and it should almost go without saying, but of course, I mean, the party better support them, uh, you know, unionization of workplaces, raising of minimum wages, universal health care, uh, organizing uh, prison abolition and, and against police brutality, um, anti-war protest. These are all things the party should be involved in and take in a, a, a leadership role in their involvement. Um, but they're all also things that are not like the center of, of human liberation. Like you're not going to raise a minimum wage into socialism, you know? Uh, trying to figure out how to split this section. I guess I'll keep reading a little bit and pass it back to you. Um, the task of uniting the forces of the proletariat and all the working class on a terrain of struggle is the positive part of the unified front tactic. In Italy, in the present circumstances, this is the party's fundamental task. Communists must see the unity of the working class as a concrete, real result to be achieved in order to prevent capitalism from implementing its plan of permanently fragmenting the proletariat and making all revolutionary struggle impossible. They must be capable of working in every way to achieve this end. Above all, they must become capable of drawing close to the workers of other parties and those without a party, 
overcoming unwarranted hostility and incomprehension, incomprehension, and in all cases presenting themselves as the advocates of unity of the class in the struggle for its defense and liberation. The united front of anti-fascist and anti-capitalist struggle, which the communists are striving to create, must aim to be being an organized united front, i.e. at being based on bodies around which the masses as a whole can regroup and find a form. Such are representative parties which the masses themselves are tending to create today, from the factories and on the occasion of every struggle, since the possibilities for trade unions to function normally began to be limited. The communists must take account of this tendency among the masses and be capable of stimulating it, developing the positive elements which it contains, and combating the particularist deviations to which it may give rise. The matter must be considered without fetishization of any particular form of organization. I will repeat again, the matter must be considered without fetishization of any particular form of organization. Bearing in mind that our fundamental purpose is to achieve an ever-increasing mobilization and organic unity of forces. To accomplish this purpose, it is necessary to be able to adapt ourselves to every terrain offered to us by reality, to make use of every agitational theme, and to stress one form of organization over another depending on what is needed and depending on, one, and depending on each one's possibilities for development. That is why there's not a specific prescriptive checklist. The world gives you conditions. You must create revolution within those conditions. The tactic of the United Front as a political activity or war of maneuver designed to unmask so-called proletarian and revolutionary parties and groups which have a mass base is closely linked with the problem of how the Communist Party is to lead the masses and how it is to win a majority in the form in which it has been defined by the world congresses. Sorry, I just made a run-on sentence where I didn't have to. <laughs> Linked with the problem of how the Communist Party is to lead the masses and how it is to win the majority. In the form in which it has been defined by the world congresses, it is applicable in all cases in which, because of the mass support of the groups against which we are fighting, frontal struggle against them is not sufficient to give us rapid, far-reaching results. The success of this tactic is related to the degree to which it, it is preceded or accompanied by an effective unification and mobilization of the masses achieved by the party through action from below. So frontal struggle, he means like picking up guns and fighting. In Italy, the United Front tactic must continue to be utilized by the party insofar as it is still far from having won a decisive influence over the majority of the working classes and the working population. So as long as people don't actually believe in the United Front, we can still use the United Front. <laughs> um, as long as it's not fetishized. Yeah. 43. While it advances its program of immediate class demands and concentrates its activity upon achieving the mobilization and unification of the working class forces, the party, in order to facilitate the development of its own activity, 
may present intermediate solutions to general political problems and put forward these solutions among the masses still supporting counter-revolutionary parties and formations. This preservation of and agitation around intermediate solutions, far removed from both the party, both from the party's own slogans and from the program of inertia and passivity of the groups that we wish to combat, allows us to assemble broader forces behind the party. To counterpose the words of the leaders of the counter-revolutionary mass parties to their real intentions, to push the masses towards revolutionary solutions, and to extend our influence, example, with an anti-parliament. These intermediate solutions cannot all be foreseen because they must in all cases be adapted to reality, but they must be such as they must be as such to be able to constitute a bridge towards the party's slogans. And it must always be evident to use the masses that if they were to be realized, this would lead to an acceleration of the revolutionary process and the beginning of wider struggles. The presentation of and struggle for such intermediate solutions is a specific form of struggle which must be used against the so-called democratic parties, which are in reality one of the strongest props of the tottering capitalist order, and as such alternate in power with the reactionary groups. When these so-called democratic parties are linked to sizable and decisive layers of the working populations, as in Italy in the first months of the Mattioti crisis, And when a serious reactionary danger is imminent, parentheses, tactic adopted by the Bolsheviks towards Kerensky during the Kornilov coup, and parentheses. In such cases, the Communist Party will obtain the best results by advancing the actual solutions, the actual solutions which would be those of the so-called democratic parties if they were in fact capable of waging a solution waging a consistent struggle for democracy with all the means required by the situation these parties thus subjected to test to the test of deeds will unmask themselves before the masses and lose their influence over them point 44 And final point, (laughs) all the particular struggles led by the party and its activities on every front to mobilize and unite the forces of the working class must come together and be synthesized in a political formula which can easily, which can be easily understood by the masses and which has the greatest possible agitational value for them. This formula is the workers' and peasants' government. It indicates even to the most backward masses the need to win power in order to solve the vital problems which interest them. And it provides the means to transport them onto the terrain of the more advanced proletarian vanguard. Parentheses, struggle for the dictatorship of the proletariat. And parentheses. In this sense... It is an agitational slogan 
but only corresponds to a real phase of historical development in the same sense as the intermediate solutions dealt with the within the preceding paragraph. The party cannot conceive of a realization of this slogan except as the beginning of a direct revolutionary struggle, i.e. of a civil war waged by the proletariat in alliance with the peasantry with the aim of winning power. The party could be led into serious deviations from its task as leader of the revolution if it were to interpret the workers and peasants' government as corresponding to a real phase of development of the struggle for power. In other words, if it considered that this slogan indicated the possibility for the problem of the state to be resolved in the interests of the working class in any other form than the dictatorship of the proletariat, written in Lyon's January 1926. That, that is the end of a very long section of the tasks ahead for the PCDI, or it was task something for the PCDI. I'd have to scroll up and see exactly how it was worded. Um, but that is where we'll leave off. We got through that list. And honestly, overall, that list feels like, um, there it is, the Italian situation of the task of the PCDI. That list feels like a more detailed description of the role of a Vanguard party, even than what's in what is to be done also adapted for both Gramsci's, um, you know, war of maneuver versus war of position theory and the Italian situation. And when we can pick apart what's specific to that situation versus what's applicable again, then we get Gramsci's take on a Vanguard party, um, even more detailed than what's in what is to be done. So that that was a very important and long section we've spent the last few episodes on. And up next, we're going to see Gramsci write a letter to Stalin telling him to cool it down, <laughs> which Stalin never gets. Oh, nice. Um, so with that, um, this has been Mark's Madness Pod, part of Chunkaloots Network. We read books. There's a number of ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can get a hold of us at, I believe the Gmail is network at gmail.com. There's also marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, the uh, Twitter is at uh, org. Um, and then at Mark's Madness Pod, and then the link tree for some of the, the fundraisers and other things. Uh, obviously, we also have a uh, Cash App, Venmo, things like that, that you will see linked um, in other social media, such as Twitter, uh, as we expand into TikTok, things like that, um, is linktr.ee uh, slash chunkaluta.org. And that will have like the GoFundMe um, efforts in there, as well as some other resources there. So that that's a place you can follow. Um Obviously, Winter Drive is going on. We're trying to raise money uh, for wood to to keep people warm uh, right now. So it's a very important time to donate to that. Um, and then, of course, on Discord, uh, the Mark's Madness Discord is public. Link is in the Twitter bio. And uh, there is a Patreon. And if you do join the Patreon, uh, then I believe one of the tiers also gets you into the Chunkaluta Patreon or Chunkaluta Discord. Um, 
So, you know, those are both available on Discord. Um, with that, obviously, you know, I mean, we've just had laid out what the job of a Vanguard party is. Get out there and organize, right? Um, you know, a lot of organization went into, and of course, you know, all the credit should, should go to the fighting uh, of Palestinians for their own liberation and survival. Um, but nonetheless, part of that is calling on organization and protests and things around the world. And a lot of organization has uh, made a lot of, of headway to the, the ceasefire that we've arrived at there. Um, and of course, organization does things like keep people alive, uh, advance our, our interests, block things and delay things like cop city and warships that are, are, are off to send weapons to Israel and, and things like that. Um, you know, can't say this enough. All of this is for the purpose of going out there and organizing, you know, um, praxis is theory put into action and theory is completely useless without it. Uh, as I've said many times, they go hand in hand. They are tied at the hip. Here is some of that theory. Go out there and practice. Uh, do you have anything else to plug, Prez? Uh, no. Okay. So with that, um, once again, Mark Manis Pod, part of Chunkalutin Network. Uh, my name's David. I'm Prez. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.